once again for another week of the Blue Corner. This is Dennis. Uh, nothing much has changed on this uh, neck of the world. Um, you know, we, we had a couple of fights over the weekend, but I will say it is now hoodie season. Um, look, today, I I don't even know how I'm going to do this intro, to be honest with you. Um, I, I kind of feel like I should be sitting on my next guest's podcast and, and have him do the intro because I'm sure he'd be a lot better at it than what I am. Uh, we originally met, I think... 2016, maybe 15, I don't know, in, in a little town of Christchurch in New Zealand um, for one of the uh, brace cards. Uh, he is, um, you know, very well versed when it comes to the fighters. He He's probably met the who's who when it comes, especially to the New Zealand scene. Um, he's usually the guy that commands the uh, center stage of the uh, octagon, and, and I dare say even maybe boxing. Um and uh, yeah, and sometimes he just likes to be off camera and, and, and talk as a uh, ringside announcer or commentator. I'm talking about uh, Isaac Savage. Um, with, with, with a name like that, I, I, I think he should actually be a fighter himself. Um, you know, I, I originally had to ask him if that was actually his uh, surname or not. But mate, it's, it's good to finally talk to you again. It's been it's been a minute. Uh, as I said, like uh, obviously since since uh, I've been over there, I've come back and 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 so forth. And then obviously we've had this pandemic hit the world and and everything's shut down. But how have you been? How how has New Zealand been? And and yeah, how's the start of the year kind of been panning out for you? Hey, well, what an intro! You're right. What a minute it's been. Uh, it was so good meeting you all those years back for breaks and. Obviously, the landscape's changed. I've been in Auckland now since then for about five years, and every year gets crazier and crazier. Um, the only time it wasn't so crazy in a less way for the fight scene was, was COVID. Uh, but yeah, it's great up here. I mean, literally in Auckland City, there is four to five events a weekend, whether it be kickboxing, MMA, um, some sort of martial art. So it's, it's hard to keep up. I can't be at all of them, but it's a fight fan's dream living in Auckland City. And has that been right through the pandemic or like was there a, a stop at some stage? Because I know, look, a lot of people always uh, like congratulate us, the Aussies, as, um, you know, handling the, the pandemic pretty well. And, and look, uh, by all accounts, we have done really well. We're, we're now back to full stadiums. Um, you know, no one's wearing a mask. We might get one case here. I, I think, you know, three weeks ago we got one case and that was the first in three months again. Um so we're, we're living pretty normal, apart from obviously the border closures, but like every time people kind of congratulate us, we always say, well, you know, they're, they're, there's our little sister nation uh, next to us, or I'll say brother nation next to us, um, you know, little two islands of New Zealand. And really you guys have been the, the, the front runner when it comes to, to handling this pandemic. So was there ever a stage where you guys really felt any sort of a knock, uh, lockdown or, or did you guys squash it pretty much from the word get-go? I mean, you you talk about probably two more so from the M MC side. That that was where I was most heavily affected. I was booked out six months in the head, and for six months we literally were on lockdown, in and out. We we're going through level one, and that literally meant that your your only outing or experience that you you could do was groceries, and that took one to two hours. It, it got to a point where you didn't want to do that anymore. So yes, not as bad as the rest of the world. I mean, look, you got London fourteen months. You guys had it, had it pretty bad, but we're lucky. So the pros and cons of being in New Zealand, even though we're a bit far away and we, we take a little bit to catch up, we've been blessed that we've been quite isolated in that sense. So yeah, it was it was hard MC-wise and for the promoters, 
Um, one thing I really saw and thought would come out of all this is the who's who would make it out. Guys that were on the verge of retiring or probably thought, am I going to make it? Can I do this? May have dropped off and the real ones stayed in it. But now that we're back up and running, literally it's, it's like I said, four to five shows a week. And, um, you know, the promoters, myself, everyone involved in the fight game was struggling to keep up. I mean, there is literally um, back-to-back cards till the rest, till the end of the year here in New Zealand, which is a dream. And in regards to capacity, was that ever limited? Because, I mean, that was the problem with us. Like, it was kind of the same situation where we said, like, you know, if, if you're a local fighter, this is the time to put your hand up and kind of... But a lot of these promotions just couldn't survive because we had such limited capacities, you know? Like, they just c- couldn't cover costs, I guess, with, like, if, if you're limited to, you know, 25% capacity and stuff like that. So, and I know, I, I remember right at the beginning, you guys did, um, or we, we saw it on the news that you guys did have full football stadiums, uh, obviously, for the Highlanders and, and, and things like that. But obviously, I assume that's also an outdoor arena, right, or an outdoor setting. So, I, I don't know if the rules would have been a little bit different there. So, like, in regards to having these events... Um, has it been full capacity or, or, or how has the build-up kind of been? It has, but it was very good. So I was living like weekend to weekend with promoters to say, you know, if, if we were going to reach the, not threshold, but if, if it was going to go to level one or two, which meant 100 or 1,000. And, you know, anyone that knows a little bit about promotion, promoters, bums on seats is what makes promoters happy. And if it's 100 versus 1,000, that's a big difference between, you know, your bottom line. So... It was tough. Um, you kind of had to just sort of be on call and just know that hopefully this is all going to, you know, um, end and come out the other side. But now, thankfully, we are back to normal, fingers crossed, and things are going on. I mean, I was talking to promoters like the likes of Jason Suddy and others um, pretty much on a daily basis to see whether we were going to open back up. You know, the King of the Rings, the the Shurukans, the, the XFCs, everything was on a... Um, pretty much waiting on a daily basis. And did it make you nervous once our little trans-Tasman bubble opened? Did, did, did you guys get nervous about letting some of us Aussies back over there? Yeah, I mean, look, we, yes and no. Yes and no. We, we, we were so happy once it did open up again. I mean, I'm not in a huge um, hurry to, to travel anytime soon unless, um, you know, something permits. But no, no, I, mean, I wasn't. Um, a lot of people were, but I think we just need to get back to normality. I think we just do. Um, it's it's time now where we have to, and I didn't think COVID would come up too much in this chat today, but uh, it's it's part of life moving forward. Um, people often say, you know, I don't want to refer to Rogan too much, but take your vitamins, drink your water, just just carry on, and uh, I think we're going to be okay if we if we, if we do that in a sense because it's not going away anytime soon. And, and, and you're right, like, I, the, you know, with the guys that I've spoken to, like, the one common thing is, like, if you're, in, you're, you're a healthy body, like, the way you've, like, it handles, obviously, this virus is a lot different than if you've already got underlying issues, right? That's, that, that's just point in case. But look, uh, we will move on from the COVID discussion, but, I mean, it is one of those things that I guess, you know, uh, it's always interesting to see how other nations uh, are kind of handling it. I, I will just ask you though now, what what is the kind of plan moving forward? Because I mean, the last thing that we've now got in the news here is that, um, I don't know, are the people over there very keen to kind of uh, take up the vaccine? Because here there's been a little bit of a pushback, right? And and so the original plan was, um, 
you know, if we get vaccinated quick enough, we'll open the international borders. And and <laughs> and I think a lot of Australians have just gone. We'll just stay in Australia, right? Like we we don't care. So like a lot of a lot of the people here have actually turned around and said we we don't want to get vaccinated. We we kind of we'll wait on the sidelines. But now they've kind of even moved it forward to the point where they're like, if you want to travel interstate you're going to need that same vaccine passport. Now that hasn't been passed yet, but that's kind of the latest over here that they're going to try to force you. So if I want to take a holiday, say in Queensland or go down to Melbourne, uh, potentially I would then also have to uh, have the vaccine. So what, what are the kind of steps you guys are taking over there? Um, not as fast as probably what we'd like. And, and some people were adverse to it. Uh, it's not rolling out as, as quick as what we'd probably want. And, Actually, I'm going to have to retract on what I said because I have to go to a wedding in Australia of, of my sisters and I've got to visit my nephew because she li- my sister lives in Ballarat, um, soon to move to Horsham or Harsham, just further away from that. So, look, um, if you're asking me personally, would I take it? Probably if it meant that I had to to travel or go to concerts, etc., whatever it may be. Um, look, there's still other, other people out there that won't. Um, I guess it's going to become part of life. And I just hope that the side effects aren't too drastic. Uh, it's a hard one. It's a hard one. I mean, they're not rolling out as quick as we'd like, but you know, that's, that's the government. Yeah. I mean, it's a hard sell, I guess for over here, it's a hard sell. Um, when we only have one case every three months, you know what I mean? Like people are like, why do we even need to take this when we, but like not realizing then that's all going to change once these borders open. Like once the borders open, then those cases are going to go up again. Right. But, uh, um, that, that, that's the hard sell. Cause everyone's kind of looking going, we don't even have COVID here. So why are we taking this thing? Right. Like it's just non-existent. So it's, it's, it's kind of weird, but I think you mean Hotham is, is probably where you're going to, uh, where, where she's, which is also Victoria Ballarat, um, but I will have to ask if you're going to make the journey up, are you going to come up to New South Wales? hundred percent. I mean, there's so much history there. There's, there's so many great gyms. Uh, I'd love, I'd love to come in like, and that's got such a good scene as well. You know, you've got, um, Billy Hussain's, you've got so many MMA gyms. Um, obviously it, it's, it would be a great place to just, you know, even check out and gym hop around, around Sydney and New South Wales area. It's um, so rich in terms of the fight history. Might even try to catch up with, uh, uh, what's his name? The guy that does the shoeys. Taito Vasa? Yeah. Yeah. If he's about, um, that I know they're doing their podcast as well. So that would be good to look. I mean, there's, there's such a good scene there as well. So it'd be good to catch up with all the boys if I came over. No, definitely. And that's what I was going to say. If you, if you come up to Sydney, make sure, make sure you, uh, reach out and, and we'll definitely catch up as well. That's just because obviously I know Ballarat's Victoria, so I'm kind of like that South of the border, but if you're coming over, you might as well come up too. Um, but listen more, more about you now, like obviously like during, during this whole, uh, kind of, uh, journey of, of the podcast, you know, I've, I've met a lot of people, uh, generally speaking, a lot of fighters, a lot of coaches, um you know gym owners um i've had officials on here before but i i thought i'd reach out to you and get you on because the the one thing that i've never had on this podcast is actually like the voice of the octagon so to speak right or the voice of the cage or the ring whichever because you do boxing as well right well that's the crazy thing right like um and i'll go into it but the the people see me um mostly in the suit emceeing you know calling the shows but I actually started off as a fighter. I started off at 14 years old in Kyokushin or Soto, Soto Kaikari from dad. He forced me into the gym. And from there, I, I um, had into 
uh, I guess, an inter-club tournament against Muay Thai and just got, got beat. And then grew up watching Van Dam, that kind of thing. So I started off as a fighter. I started off as a martial artist. I was obsessed, you know, trying to hire out every single video because videos were out back when I was growing up. And I grew up just, just watching all that Van Damme, Seagal, Jackie Chan. Um, but it's only once I started fighting that I realised, oh, stuff in the movies doesn't so much apply. And, and I, you know, I started doing martial arts. And then the real way that I thought to test myself is when I, when I actually competed. And I went to an inter-club tournament to watch, actually. Um, it was actually our club versus uh, Sitnarong, which is a, a well-known Muay Thai club in Christchurch. And one of the guys pulled out. So um, the guy, uh, what's his name? I'm trying to remember his name. Anyways, Dougal came up to me and said, can you fight? And I said, I'll give it a go. But I didn't have any protection. So I called my mum to bring in a sock for a cup. And I used an orange peel for a mouth guard. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I rocked in and had a fight against an older guy, way older. I think that's always the case. And... I was like 16, thought I was the man doing fly kicks, spinning heel kicks, all that kind of carry He just clinched me up, kneed me, threw me around, kneed me, and kicked me in a way that I've never been kicked because it was Muay Thai style. And after that, I thought, shit, what is this, man? Like, I've got to start doing this. And that's when I, I um, converged over. And um, cutting a long story short, lived in Thailand, fought over there for money. Um, I fought over there. I've fought in the Cook Islands. I've had a couple. I've had one pro boxing fight. So I started off as a fighter. I love fighting. I love martial arts. Completely obsessed with it. Uh, it's only by accident or fluke that I got into emceeing. Unbelievable. You learn something new every day. This whole time, as I, as I said in the intro, like I thought with your kind of surname, you should be a fighter. And this whole time, I've never known you as a fighter. How come you never tell me that? It's not something I go around saying because as I was growing up and when I was doing it, I wanted to be the champ. Like some of the guys I fought have gone on to win titles. Uh, really, Willie Rewhite was a, a guy from um, Tokoroa that went on to have 30-odd fights and won the New Zealand title. And um, it's not something I, I don't mention a lot because I didn't excel as far as I wanted to, but I trained with, with some of the champs and came from a gym in Palmas North uh, with, uh, what's his name, Stu Chambers, fight shop. And it was just, that's the way I started off. I just wanted to be a champ. And I had that. I mean, the first night I started at fight um, gym in Palmas North when I was 20, I rocked in and a dude's tooth flew out, like past my head. And, um, well, probably a bit of exaggeration, but it flew out. And, yeah, I mean, I was just like, whoa, this is crazy. But then I, I just went from there. And uh, it's not something, I just don't, if people know me, then it will come up. I don't. I'm not like a vegan that's going to come up and yell, I'm a vegan, my name's Isaac Savage. So, like, <laughs> I want it to come up organically. And um, that, that's been the craziest thing about emceeing. And even when I train at gyms, because they'll see me rock in and then I'll hit the pads. And I'm not, mate, I'm nowhere near a pro, but I can whack. I can whack the pads, all right. And they think, what? This guy's the, the MC, But This is the guy I in the suit. Off, I start off as a fighter, man. I still, still spar. I'm nowhere near to the level I could back in the day and I love it. Um, I still do, but I got into emceeing as a complete fluke, probably because my body was getting beaten up and I can I can go into how that happened because it's quite it's quite random. 
and we will get into that but i will i will have to ask you though like when when you say back in the day like what what kind of like time frame are we looking at right now because when i look at you like on on, honestly like i I still see like i mean you're youngish right like i'm 35 okay Uh, yeah i started training at 14 so that means i've been involved over 30 years like well no, sorry, um, 20 years in, in, in this game. Uh, I think my math is right. But, yeah, so, I mean, look, I started competing at 14. I have a lot of my fights from 18 to 20. And then 20, I lived in Thailand. Um, I went over at 20. So I've done seven to eight trips in Thailand. I speak a little bit as well. Um, and I lived in Koh Samui for three months at 26. And that's when I fought. And... I mean, like anything, that's the best way to get a grasp of martial art, whether, you know, say, for example, you do karate, you go to Japan, rugby, you come to New Zealand. And to really understand a, a martial art, I feel like you've got to go to the home. And I do have a, a love for for Thailand. Uh, I, I love everything about it, the people, the language. If you've ever met them or, you know, you've been there before, you you probably share the same sort of love. But especially, too, if you um, you do Muay Thai, it's, it's the place to go. And I've um, been to gyms all around Thailand, so Bangkok, um, trained a little bit with Sam A, who's now in, in 1FC, uh, went to Pattaya, Fairtex, um, some, some of the fighters you'll know out of there, very famous gym. Phuket was tough, I trained at Sitsuning Penang, where you had to do a 10k run before you even started training, which, that ain't fun. But my favourite place is Koh Samui, just because there's a beach, and you can still have good training. Uh, they have really good gyms and a good sort of mix of um, Muay Thai and um, relaxation. And when you say you went over there, like, was it just for extended trips or you actually set yourself up over there? Like, you actually lived, lived over there? Oh, I was only over there for about two months. Um, not as long as some, but it was still sort of good, good enough time. Yeah, about, no, about two and a half months. And I lived at the gym for a month and that was a real eye-opener. Because um, some, like, you know... You rock over there and people were like, it's their life. They start fighting at seven years old. Uh, I remember when I first got there, there was a kid crying and he was like 10 and he, he had to fight again and he had to fight because he had to provide money for his family. And for me, it was like heartbreaking, but it's just their life over there and it's just what it is. I mean, like I said, I slept in the ring a couple of times, tie pad as a pillow. I had a room then at some stage, but still a room the size of, I'm just trying to look around now. Um, five by five, real small, and just all you got is a fan. And anyone that's lived in Thailand, lived at the gym, and done, done it like that knows it's like, there's no hot water, it's just a, um, basically a big bucket of water, which you throw over yourself after training, you're training twice a day. Uh, you really get into the mindset of, of what it takes to be a champ over there. And I gave it a crack and, and, and I loved it. And I think it builds, builds you up for anything else you want to do in life. But what I realized over there is it's so, it's like making it anything in life. It is literally the 1%, you know. At CKB, you've got Israel, and he's rocking around McLaren, and we've got other good fighters there too, but it takes so much dedication and 20 plus years and an X factor as well to make it. I mean, in New Zealand, it's just Dan Hooker and, and um, Israel who have really made it to the top of the top, and everyone else is obviously climbing to get there, but it's, it's going to be a small percentage that make it. 
But I mean, it's crazy because I mean, just all of them they come out of the the one gym too, right? Like, because I mean, you say Dan Hooker and uh, Izzy, but like, I mean, I'm I'm looking at Brad uh, Riddell, I'm looking at Shane Young. Shane oh, Young's yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he he's had a couple of slides now. Um, also, I know one of our guys, and and we'll debate this a little later about you know us claiming your guys and your guys claiming us guys, and and you know it's it's all the same, same. It's all in a bit oh, of fun. Oh. But um, I, I know that Cam Rouston's been over there for a while too, right? Yeah, man, he's a good dude too, man. He uh, he fought on a Shuriken card, which is probably, it's the card in New Zealand that it's like XFC. Um, so many champs have been made on it. Uh, Israel fought on it. Uh, JJ Wilson, who's now probably going to get a Bellator shot. Uh, Carlos, Carlos Olberg fought on it. Uh, Carlos Hicks. So many great fighters have fought on Shuriken, and I saw Cam fight on that. Uh, beating a guy from King's uh, Academy MMA and uh, he's very good he's talented but that's the thing at CKB right you rock in and everyone's there the junior fars the Shane Youngs the Riddells and I said to my cousin the, the other day actually sometimes I'm pinching myself because I'm in there but then when you go in there they're not like they're not walking around like hey I'm this it, it's a fight gym it smells like a fight gym everyone acts like a fight gym and if I'm honest, I I actually avoided CKB for a while. Um, not because I didn't want to train there, but because I work in media, I didn't want to get seem like I'm like a, I don't want to say spy, but I didn't want to seem like um, I was going there just to be like a fanboy. I I trained at Silly Gut, and I still love those boys as well. They're, they're such a wicked gym. Lolo, um, Himuli, Sifu Philip Lamb, it's got rich historical roots, you know, Shane Choppers. Tony Angelo, Richie Hardcore. I love that gym, but I love CKB too. And um, I'm there to train. I'm not there to to get the inside word. And that's probably why I, I didn't go there for so long because I just didn't want it to seem like that. But when you go there, it's a, it's a gym, man. It's a fight gym. And everyone's there to, to get better and, and make it. But it also must help you in your job, right? Just to know these guys on a personal level as well, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, look, I, I MC and I, I commentate and I even do the odd, odd podcast and it does help in that sense. And we write articles, obviously, too, on NZ Fighter. So it's it does help in that sense. But if we go right back, I, I started all this as a fighter and I, I am a fan sometimes. I mean, mate, sometimes I love nothing more than watching the UFC with a couple of mates here on a Sunday, not working just enjoying the fights for how they are because because literally every single weekend i am working whether it be on the mic in the ring or uh commentating or even writing um, or being involved in some vicinity so yeah it does help 100 percent. that's quite a long-winded answer to it but yeah it does help being there and i've realized in the last four weeks oh maybe i should have come here soon but you know timing's everything else and when they're preparing for a fight, like, do you do you actually get amongst the the, the sparring days as well, or or you let them do their thing there and, and and sort of watch from afar? Good question, man. Um, I because I've only come back like six weeks. I spoke to Eugene, and um, I was, you know, just being a fighter, having a few fights, I thought, yeah, let's go. So I said to Eugene, "Do I have to do anything to come sparring?" He said, "Have you fought?" I was like, "Yeah." He didn't even know himself, right? He didn't, well, I didn't tell him, and um. Yeah, I told him that I fought Nort Bochet, who is a pro boxer, but it, it didn't last very long. It was very hard night in the office for me. He's like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, sweet. Come come in, no worries. And I, I don't want to compare myself to Ferg, 
Tony Ferguson, but in terms of like my mind was there, but the body wasn't. So my mind's there. I can hang in there mind wise, but I hadn't, I probably hadn't trained long enough to, to be probably quite as tough as I wanted to be. And, um, I went in and then I had to have a couple of weeks off because I did some sort of damage, um, which, you know, it's as a, as a former fighter, we used to say, if you get hit, it's your fault. Uh, you can never, if you get cracked hard, it's, it's not their fault. They're doing what they're trained to do. So, um, yes, I do spar, but I'm not, there's advanced sparring and there's like n just normal sparring and I, and I, and I got hurt in the normal sparring. So, um, I will, once I train more, jump in with them at some stage, but then it's about knowing your levels. And that's what I learned in Thailand too. I was getting beaten at times by 16 year old boys that had 200 fights. So yeah, I will go in, but, um, I'll do a lot more training first before I go in with some of those guys and, and they're, they're good about it too. They, they wouldn't just throw in a busy against some newbie that jumped in off the street because it doesn't make sense. It's not good for the newbie and it's not good for Izzy. You know, it just doesn't, doesn't make But does sense. Izzy get some solid rounds over there? Because, I mean, look, at the end of the day, and as we said, there, there's a whole staple of good fighters in that gym. But when you look at, like, Izzy, like, you know, you put him up there with, say, your John Jones in the sense of that he's, he's that class above a little bit, but he's also that rangy, rangy fighter. And I could just imagine being in a gym with him and, like, no one being able to deal with that right like he he's like he's got the the i guess what you would call the it factor and it, it's one of those things like is there enough people in 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 that gym that test him or is it something that they have to bring people in from the outside it's a really good point and and that's the thing you rock into ckb right and there's literally i don't want to try to exaggerate but there's probably 20 signed pro champ 20 plus fighters there that have either won a belt in Shuriken, XFC, a kickboxing champs, boxing champs. I mean, Junior Farr, uh, you've, you've got, that's the thing. No, he's definitely not short on sparring partners whatsoever. And, you know, the guys, I don't know if you've ever seen an old sparring footed uh, video of Hooker and Izzy. Um, that they, they, they go good. I mean, Brad, Brad Riddell does good rounds. And he definitely gets rounds and he is obviously, you know, world champ, but He's made, he is a world champ because of the people he trains around. They do other things as well, like spider and um, they wrestle and they do jujitsu. So if anything, he's, he's got plenty from what I can see. Um, but he is a unique cerebral fighter. And you uh, I, see, I've gone to other gyms where there is only one champ and it does seem like it's, it's hard. That the guy has to go to other gyms to get decent sparring. But at CKB, everyone's so hungry. Everyone's uh, quite high level. No, he's never sure. And there's so many different components there as well. There would be great wrestlers that could match up. There's great strikers. Uh, yeah, he gets it all. I mean, even speaking to him that night, um, he was saying one of the boys gave him a good go that day. And it was quite, it was, it was interesting hearing him say that, to, to hear that one of the, one actually the Vaki brothers, he said that, that touched him up quite nicely. So it just goes to show he's humble, but there's absolute monsters in that gym as well. And what, what is it that Eugene does differently? Like, I mean, knowing that you've stepped into a few gyms, like, and, and what I mean by that is like, you know, when, when a coach like that comes 
pretty unknown and then makes this this world stage entrance right like which which is what he's done like i mean you go back 10 years ago whatever like you know ckb wasn't even chatter in, in in a sense right like um and and what i mean by that is like you know when ronda came out obviously oh, i forgot what her coach was was called but like you know and all of a sudden everyone's like ah oh, you know he's the greatest coach and it's like well is he or is, is it the fact that ronda was such a good talent right and it's the same thing like even like you had john kavanagh come out with with conor mcgregor um you know i mean jackson's is probably the one where he's had multiple fighters um i know uh, eric has multiple fighters coming out of extreme couture but the thing that amazes me with with um uh, CKB is that it isn't just the one talent, right? So it, it, I, I, I think it's more a case that obviously something's happening under that roof um, that that is a little different from other gyms because you're not just finding one talent and riding with that. You're you're literally creating talent as well, if that makes sense. Well, you got to remember too, Eugene um, has had almost close to fifty odd fights, so he's definitely not some, uh, I guess, no stranger to danger. And if I go back to Lolo Humuli, um, Sifu Philip Lamb, who came here like 46 years ago, and then went on to train Lolo Humuli, who went on to train the Ray Sifu, the Ronnie Sifu, uh, Neil Walker, um, John, John Conway's, and then Eugene was part of that movement as well. And I feel what makes him a good trainer is, uh, I guess, having won the experience, the, those rich that rich heritage of the Muay Thai back in the day. And the training back then and the sparring was just so much different to what it is now, you know. It's probably a lot safer now compared to what it was like back in the day. But also... Well, well, um, well for one thing, you'd definitely be putting more than an, an orange pill in your mouth, right? Like, <laughs> if we're talking about back well, in the day. So, yeah. I mean, times have on. changed. Yeah, but even back before the orange pill days, guys were getting, and I'm not going to name any names, but, like, guys were getting KO'd couple of times in sparring still carrying on you wouldn't see that now it's it's just times change but i think what it is is a mix of that but also without giving away too much look at the likes of mayweather um uh, not, not so much gregor but mayweather's a very cerebral counter striker and i think that's um part of what i've seen at ckb is that it's about movement and, and keeping busy but also his connection with the fighter and he took he took um a couple of rounds last night and sometimes like i said it's like oh my god eugene Bim. but then the way he connects with, with the the audience and the way he trains is is quite different from what i've, I've seen around the gyms and it's it's dynamic he forms that connection and teaches you things to be like i said a counter counter striker but a cerebral fighter and i think that's that's important because it's not just rock and sock and robot like diego sanchez stand in the middle of the ring and swing uh, if you're going to move angles and and be a smart scientific fighter that's what's what's going to get you you know the championship belts and the money the cash the straps nice and look i don't i don't want to get get you into any trouble um i, I will just put that out there so we might we, we you know you, you you can refuse to answer this question but do you know like obviously like i have to say with what's going on with that title picture right now as well with izzy right like i, I think marvin and i said that straight away as soon as uh, rob finished his fight um and rob was like look i'd like to have that fight in september and marvin came out and said well if you want to fight in june i'm ready I, I straight away said, like, I was like, Marvin just played his cards right. I'm like, and I literally called it. I said, Marvin's getting the next shot, right? Because I knew that was going to 
kind of happened. Like that, that just made sense in 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 in, in a way. But since then, obviously, um, there w- there was an interview with Eugene and and Easy where they've kind of said, well, Rob basically passed up the the opportunity and he should now go back in line. Um, do you do you know more on that? Like, do you, do you, do you feel like that's more to try to get into Rob's head a little bit, or or do do they seriously are they seriously going to try to push him back in? Because to be honest with you, after Marvin, like I mean, and and look, just as I said, like just talking between the two of us right now, as as fight fans, I don't see another fight that makes more sense. Like I, as I said, I I think the Marvin one definitely makes sense, and I think Marvin played his cards to a T. Like I knew that was going to happen. But like when I look at the rest of that division, like what's after Marvin? And and this is also I, I guess judging that Izzy will beat Marvin, which personally I, I think will happen. Um, that that's that's where I'd put my money if if I if I was to place a bet. But um, uh, yeah, like I, I kind of look at it because I I know like coming back up that that road, you know, it was kind of like well if if Darren Till beats Rob. Till's getting a shot and Rob beats him. Then it was Kenanier. If Kenanier beats Rob, Kenanier's getting a shot and then obviously Rob beat him. And I'm just looking at that division. I'm kind of like, well, Rob's kind of cleaned out that division again. So why would he go to the back of the line? So is it more a strategic, as I said, get under the skin kind of moment or you think there's a little more to it? I think, well, first of all, I don't know 100% about the details of that, but I just want to go back to Victorian Izzy. If we look at Izzy's career after Marvin, he, he obviously steamed for a few people. Marvin gave him the toughest fight. If not, I wouldn't say almost beat him, but probably maybe for one round. Uh, he, he gave Izzy a real tough time on the ground. So I think he is deserving of that title shot. Um, Whitaker, like you said, clean out of vision. If Izzy did not exist, Whitaker would be the world champ. If Izzy wasn't around, Whitaker would be world champ. Answer it. He's demolished everyone. I think he even he beat Till, didn't he? Or well, they haven't fought yet. No, he he did. He beat Till. Now, I don't know much about the details of what how that transpired, but I feel nine times out of ten, and I love Whitaker, man. He's the man. Mozzie, you know, Mozzie Oldie, uh, Mozzie uh, Moldy Aussie. I feel if they fight nine nine times out of ten, Izzy will maybe potentially always has has his number just because of the way he strikes. Uh, the way Whitaker comes forward. I think right now it just makes more sense for Vittoria because of the, the heat, how crazy he is, maybe buys, pay-per-views, etc. After that, yes, Whitaker. But it was so quick with that that, that last fight with Whitaker and Izzy. What's going to be that different? I'm not sure. Like I said, if they fight nine times out of ten, I feel Izzy always has his number. Uh, Dylan, Izzy would be a great fight. Should and hopefully as he beats Vittori, then what, they're going to line up Wittorikiga again, but I don't see too much changing. See, and, and I guess that's where I'll disagree with you a little bit um, on, on, on two things. Um, Marvin gave him a, a, a hard fight in the sense I think it was a split decision. Um, yes. Right? I, I still think the, the hardest fight that Izzy has had was against Calvin. I thought that was a brutal fight. Um, that, that that's the one where Izzy obviously famously is like I'm ready to die like when he looks at Kelvin in that fifth round he goes I'm ready to, to die for this right so I believe that was the, the the hardest fight and I also feel like look and and it's all like hypotheticals but I also feel like 
the time that Izzy fought Rob, I mean, he he single-handedly beat Rob. Like, there's no denying that. But I also feel like that was the worst we've ever seen Rob. And was it a case of that Izzy made him look that bad? Or was it that something wasn't right? Because when, when, for instance, as I say, you look at, and you can never do MMA math, we all know that, but when you look at, for instance, how tough a fight Kelvin was, um, and then when you see what Rob just did to Kelvin a month back, um, yeah. you know, like, it, it, so either Rob's gotten a lot better, Kelvin's got a lot worse, I don't know, but like, and also, as I said, styles make fights, so maybe Izzy does have his number. But I just, I just feel like, that would be the fight to make in the sense of even like pay-per-view, even like, and look, if what Rob was saying is hopefully the borders are open and they can bring the UFC back to even New Zealand or Australia and you do that fight, it would be massive. It would literally be massive. Um, so that that's, I guess, my only dispute there. Um, and with the Marvin thing is, look, and, and I'll be the first one to admit it, like at the very beginning, I guess, you know, Izzy being the kickboxer, we all saw that, maybe his wrestling wasn't up to par at that stage, right? Um, and and I, and I feel like that's where Vittori had his success. In that third round, he was able to take Izzy down. And then, obviously, they went, all right, let's match Izzy up with wrestlers. That's when they started giving him Brad Tavares and, 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 and people who legitimately are wrestlers, right? Um, but I, I feel like, and, and this is the scary thing when it comes to Izzy, I, I always say, like, he's still getting better. So, yes, I think Vittori had his number in the wrestling on that first match, but I, I also feel now that Izzy's improved that much that that wrestling won't be, it won't be, it won't be the it factor no more. And and I honestly don't see it going to a split decision. I, I think I would even, I, I would even guess that Izzy might, get a finish on this one i i, I really do really good point he, he he's evolving every single time and look so much has changed since then and and we'll see obviously the proof of being putting in Vittori and then fight in i guess three weeks time almost or four weeks going back to whitaker and um and izzy you're right i mean the surgery the time off uh izzy didn't make him look great and then he came out and destroyed gaston like he did it's like what mma mathematics what I would love to see if Izzy comes forward is that we take that fight of Whitaker and Izzy over here. Because I know you guys are loving Aussie, but we might try to pull it over here. Where do, where do you think it would go if that fight did happen? Well, I guess it just depends on 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 the border closures. Like at the end of the day, that's that's what it kind of like. If if Australia was like, yeah, we, we'll we're open to the idea of. Um, having the UFC come and, and having a, a full capacity crowd and say New Zealand is still tighter on their borders, then obviously it would happen here. Um, you know, but like, I mean, if, if say like all the conditions are the same, yeah, it'd be cool to have it over in New Zealand. I really think it would be. Um, and I, I think wherever we hold it, you'll have Australians flying, especially with the trans Tasman bubble right now, you would have Australians fly to New Zealand or you would have uh, Kiwis fly to Australia whichever way but I think it's a massive fight right and and I, I, I don't know I just think it's the fight to make and as I said it wasn't like they were like look uh, Marvin's getting the first shot the, the the thing that kind of like took me back a little bit was that they were like he's got to go to the back of the line and I was kind of like but that's he just went to the back of the line and he's just beat all these guys again to get back up to the top and now that he didn't take this fight in June 
Um, and you know, Rob had excuses, the, the quarantine, the, the hand was injured, da, 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 da. He, for whatever. He had multiple reasons why he didn't want to take it in June, but then they've turned around and said, well, that, that was his opportunity. If he doesn't want to take it, he's back to the back of the line. And it's like, well, what? So he's got to beat Till, Kenanir, you know, Kelvin again. Like he's like, he's just cleaned out that division. So like, where are we going? I hear what you're saying, but I think it's like it's it's not unknown that the the UFC have at times used bullish tactics, and I think that's how Connor got to where he was by just taking every opportunity. Hey, do you want this? Yeah, boom, boom, and took it. And unfortunately, they they probably put things on the table like they did in the situation, and Rob didn't take it for obviously legitimate reasons. And then next in line was Vittori, and I think the way Vittori's has been pretty wild on the mic lately. He's probably getting a lot of Twitter views. All that as I said, on. he played his cards right. As soon as he heard yeah. Rob go, I won't be ready till September, that very, like, within five minutes, there's a a, a, a soundbite of him going, well, I'm ready in June. You want to fight in June? Let's go. And I was like, he's going to get it. Like, he, like I have to say, Vittori played it smart. Well, he just had to back it up when it comes to it. And, um, you know, hey, anything can happen in MMA. Anything can happen. Uh, stay out of the way of those strikes or take them down. I mean, we saw that in the weekend. Chandler and Oliveira. What, you know, surviving that first round. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And who do you, who do you think is going to be um, on, on that fight? Who do you think is going to be Oliveira's first title defense? Oh, good question. Uh, look, thinking of the top five... Um, I'm racking my brains. I'm racking my brains for that one. I mean, I'm going to have to flip that one back on you. I can't call. I can't call right now. I mean... Right. I mean, the only ones that I kind of see making sense is you got Justin Gaethje and you got got the winner of Connor or Dustin, which if you're going to ask... If you're going to ask me, I think Dustin's got Connor's number there too. So I I honestly think it'll be Dustin next. Um, But... As I say, like where where does Gaethje fit in all of this? You know, it's Gaethje's starting fighters. He's being um, like a walk forward fighter. I wasn't one of these cerebral move angles Mayweather. I just walk forward, take a couple to get some. I love the way Justin Gaethje fights. He's risk it for the biscuit, right? He'll put it all in, puts the scores on doors, and he's exciting. Um, whether that's good for his noggin or not, um, hey, it makes for entertainment. So. Love to see it, uh, but jeez, man! Like Oliveira showed that he can take a hit, and Chandler is one powerful unit. You know, I think I think a lot of people thought Bellator isn't as what as good as what it is, and it's it's a great organization. There's some absolute monsters on it, and uh, Chandler's proven that in a sense. Speaking of which, Bellator this weekend we got Janae Harding fighting. She she obviously has been a past guest of mine. Um, but she's also got the New Zealand heritage, right? So I know she resides here, she trains, and and I guess, she, I mean, I guess she carries both flags, but I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, how, how, how big is her following in, in NZ? Do you know? So we caught up when she was here, oh, I think it was a year or two, obviously before COVID. And we were chatting and laugh, and she was doing a bit of a stint here at, um, at CKB because she's also got family just outside of Auckland and she certainly does. She does have a following. Um, it's probably not as big 
is what is it is in Australia because that's you know where she's based and um, probably got more of a fan base. But when she came here, I know that it certainly caused a bit of presence in, in Rockus. And one thing, um, New Zealand media is, is, is just only starting to catch up on the MMA. So um, look, as she progresses, she's going to get more of a following. And I can't wait to see her fight again. I mean, she's just getting better and better. And she's out there pumping the social media. She's a good fighter. Um, I can't wait to see what she do. She can do just like a couple of other She got a good following over there as well. Everyone pretty much knows of her in the AU. Yeah, yeah. So over here, she she's got a pretty, and and that's what I'm saying. Like uh, over here, you know, uh, uh, both her her and Arlene have got really good followings. Obviously, both Bellator fighters. Um, and yeah, I was just, but obviously, Arlene's not not a Kiwi. So that's why I was asking with the Janae Harding just to see if, if, if she's got that backing from, from New Zealand. She was on, um, she was on TV over here too, on a few major television stations. But I think what people were struggling to understand is that MMA still isn't mainstream. You know, you got cricket, you got basketball, you got soccer. When I, if I told someone, I mean, uh, Janae Harding, she's on Bellator. Most people wouldn't know, but if you're an MMA fan, you know how big Bellator is, 1FC, PFL, it's huge. To even make the, to even make the, um, I guess the, to be signed to one of those organisations is massive, and we're only just catching up, and it's probably the same in Australia as well. That mainstream media follow what what gets the eyeballs, so they'll follow the the Gregors, the Volkanovskis, the more so household names. Uh, I think a good acid test of if someone's famous is asking your mum and dad who an MMA fighter is. My mum knows who Ronda Rousey is. She knows who Conor McGregor is. Outside of that, she doesn't know. And it's almost the same with New Zealand media, maybe AU media. They don't, they only follow, I guess, the cream. But whereas guys like you and us, we're doing that grassroots stuff. See, which is, which is crazy because I, I would say you're ahead of us. Like, I, I really don't find that the media over here follow any of our fighters at all. Like, you, must... you, you, you might get Alex, like, guest host, like, a, a Fox Sports something. Um, but like, even like when Alex say won the title, it didn't it didn't show up on the news. But there's nothing on the news about it. Like, so we're we're real far behind when it comes to Main Street stuff. Like, literally, like same thing. You'll get Jamie Malarkey sometimes. Like, as I say, he'll sit on on a panel on some Fox Sports show. Um, but yeah, when it comes to like mainstream, like your Channel Seven, Channel Ten, nah, they're not getting anything, like anything. It's so crazy because I reckon, right? If, if I saw Volkanovski in the street, like, hey, you know, but a lot of people may not may not recognise him, and um, well, you know, it's just the way uh, MMA is. Boxing gets more recognition, just obviously it gets more coverage, and uh, we're starting to see a little bit more of an emergence. But we we often too um, do our best to update the the mainstream media. I appear on. Um, Fight Club, which is uh, by MediaWorks in the Central City, and that's more talking about the grassroots because we we met the guys like the JJs, the, the Izzy's. I I met Izzy when he wasn't a UFC champ, and people didn't know who he was, and now he's famous. Um, and there's many more that I've met that probably will be world champs too. So it's good to cover stuff from the grassroots. I have to ask you though, once again, and I don't. We'll finish with Izzy, <laughs> but like when yeah. when you met him before he was a world champion, um, do you remember that 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 first encounter? And and did you already back then get a sense of something bigger, if if that makes sense? 
Like, you know, sometimes when you walk into a room and, and you meet someone and they have that presence and you're like, you know what? I don't know what it is, but this person's going to be special one day. Did you have that or, 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 or yeah, or was that non, non-existent back then? See, and I'm not going to say that I, we and him are like mates and whatnot. I mean, he knows me, I know him. We don't go out for coffee or anything, but when I did meet him, um, well, he does call me Savage, so he gets, I guess someone remembers me to a certain extent. And uh, that's what makes it easier too when I interview him because we've known each other for, for a wee while, but on a, that acquaintance type level. Mate, the thing about Izzy, he's a media darling. He's great on the mic. He's a good salesperson. He's kind of cracked the game in that sense. And it's I don't even think he's trying to do it. He's just being him. When I first met him, it was, um, I think he'd just come back from China because he had a he had so many fights over there. He was fighting like every three weeks, 12 fights a year. And people say four got, people that have four fights a year in the USC busy. He was having 12. And he's got an energy, man. He's, there's something about it. You're right. Sometimes you almost, I, I had a thought that he was going to be, he was destined for success. And when he finally made UFC, I, when he, when he got the contract, I thought, you know, it'd been a long time coming. Um, some people get there earlier than what he did. But just rewinding again, every time he gets on the mic or he does something, uh, he's just built for it. And I did, I did feel that. Um, I feel that's that's what's created to his success. Is he's he's got all these components that um, that make him the star he is. And you you would even agree too. He is funny on the mic. Some of the things he said over the years, it's built him more and more. And that's the fight game. Sometimes you've got to seize those opportunities. I mean, what did he say that time? Um, well, you know, he did the dog walk and he says certain things in the, uh, in the media press conferences and that, that's what gets him ahead. And yeah, I did think he was, he was going to be something. No, and I will agree with that. And, and the one thing I always say, which is important is, and Conor McGregor did the same thing, like they were good on the mic, but they were authentic, right? You see a lot of these other guys now, they, they see that as like a ticket of success and they try to mimic it but it's not authentic where I find that the one thing Connor and same with Izzy, like you, you just kind of feel like that's them, right? Um, classic example, which everyone says is an act is your Colby Covington, right? Like that he, he's playing the heel, but you can, you can sense that's not him. Um, so it's, it, it, it's just a different way of kind of approaching it. But listen, the reason I got you on anyway, we, we, we've been talking all this stuff. Like I, I wanted to talk more about you as well. Like, and, and you said there's like a kind of a funny story of how you came into the whole emceeing side of things. And I, I wanted to more direct some of the conversation, I guess, towards that aspect, because as I said, I've, I've, I've never had a guest who, who I guess does the, the, the announcing of the rings or even the, the, the commentating of the fights. So let, let, let's just try to steer away, uh, you know, like, and, 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 and kind of move it a, a, across to this kind of uh, section. So how did you originally get into the, uh, as you said, the, there's kind of like a little funny story of how you kind of fell into the emceeing. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll just like, I'll take it right back um, to how I got involved in media and then emceeing because it's all been by chance and just putting my hand up, if anything, saying, hey, I'll do that. And it's probably like a lot of opportunities in life. So before I came to Auckland, I was in Christchurch, born and bred, and I got started with a magazine called Rogue, Rogue Magazine, which covered a lot of fights around New Zealand, very synonymous back in the day. And it all started from me. There was a fight night down in Christchurch, and all I said was um, to the director or who was editor-in-chief, Boa, and threw up in Auckland, who's, this is a 
if an amazing show, you've got dot, 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 because I love the game and I know the sport, who's covering this? And he, and he just said back to me, you are if you want to. So I said, sure. Okay, cool. And from then on, I just started covering more and more, writing, 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 traveling around New Zealand, building my relationships with, with fighters, promoters, etc. I then moved up to Auckland. Like We're fast forwarding here now, um, back to five years ago. And I came up, um, my partner at the time had a promotion. So came up for her, obviously. And, um, you know, I was like, wow, Auckland. You know, I started going, I started going to City League Guard training, not that involved, but I was like, I love the fight game, man. I just love it. And I was like, Fuck, I'm in the home of it. Like, like I said, four or five fight nights a, a weekend. It's a fight fan's dream up here. And I have a very good friend of mine, Craig, Craig Thompson. He's a promoter here. He's probably one of the most long-standing promoters here in New Zealand. I actually came up um, for a fight years ago um, with my mate Brad Pohl, who called him two days before to fight Adrian Ty here. And um, Brad looked at me and said, look, Craig's offered me this money. I'm having a kid soon. I do need a new cop. Should I take the fight? And I was like, hell yeah. And we're eating KFC at the time. Anyways, <laughs> he was in a KFC two days before fighting one of the toughest guys ever, like in middleweight history. A, um, not Agent Tai here. Uh, what's his name? Agent Tai here is a really good fighter. But anyways, going back to that, I started training more, getting involved, going through boxing fight nights. And I got a call one night um, when I was having a couple of beers with some mates and it was Craig Thompson. And he said, well, what are you doing tomorrow? And I said, oh, just relaxing. Not much. He goes, do you want to MC my show? I was like, MC it? I'd... And I'd had a couple of beers. So I was like, hell yeah. Liquid courage. And then, yeah, but I, I was just in the, I was like, oh shit, what have I signed up for? What am I doing? Because I'm not, I guess my dad's a singer, my stepdad's a singer. So I, I've always been surrounded by it, but singing and MCing is quite different. So he hung up the phone and said, you're cool, be here at blah, blah. And instantly I thought, shit, what have I done? I've already, I've, I've signed up. I've got to... So I started YouTubing MCs like Len Hart, who, Len Hart, I hope I'm saying her name right. She does all the pride MC back in the day, that lady that screamed, you know, that I started looking up Bruce Buffer, Michael Buffer. I started just Googling and YouTubing MCing because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And anyways, I did what I could. And I rocked up in the night, nervous as hell, right? Nervous as hell. Um, I sculled back a beer, had the names down on the list. And then I just thought, shit, this is your night. Own it. Who gives a fuck if you're scared? Just do it. And I went out and pretended I was the man for two or three hours and, and finished. And I got paid, like, I think, $20. And, um, yeah, I walked off and I thought, Wow, that was that was such a, like an amazing feeling. Like I've got to do more of this. Why haven't I been doing this this whole time? And and I guess I don't know how many shows I've done now. Maybe maybe a hundred, hundred plus. Um, I I still get nervous to this day. Um, there's good, there's highs, there's lows. I mean, you can ask me about the pros and cons. I still love it to this day. Every time I finish a gig, I feel like I've just jumped off a roller coaster, and uh, it takes a couple of hours to calm down, but uh, I love it, and I just fell into it. Did you ever, um, like, and I guess even now, I mean, it might not change, but do you ever, like, 
stand in front of the the bathroom mirror and 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 he literally like like does that happen like because like i you know like it's like i i remember like walking in for the first fight as well is is like you know they always talk about visualization and i just wonder like how much of that goes on i guess in in your field like you know or is it something that like you literally went I'm going to do it. You grabbed the mic and you did it. Or, or was it something that, as I said, you rehearsed and rehearsed uh, it, to yourself? Uh, uh, I, I don't know. Like I, I'm bad when it comes to public speaking. Like you should have seen like me pack it when I had to give like a, a speech at my best mate's wedding. Cause I was the best man. Right. And literally for weeks on end, I would like pace up and down the veranda like literally practicing this speech. And at the end of the day, that's just in front of a room full of family and friends. And it's like one speech and we're done, you know, like, um, so I just wonder like we've, we've been, cause as well with the podcast, like one of my biggest fears, and I guess this is even harder for you is the pronunciation of names. That is my biggest fear. Like you just don't, cause you Look, at the end of the day, everything that I do, I try to keep it respectful. But sometimes there is some tongue twisters in there that you're just like, man, I'm just going to cork up your name. I really am. And to me, that is a fear, you know, because the last thing you want to do, and and I mean, as I say, I'm doing it here, but like if you're in an arena full of people and you're about to announce this guy and you feel like you don't have his name correctly pronounced, like do, do, do you have those moments? 100%. So I'll go back. Uh, that's what I think I said to you earlier. That's the hardest thing about MCing is you, well, you can practice, but you can't practice in your house. You can't practice in the mirror because you are really enunciating. You're really bringing out the loudest or, or you're not screaming, but you're really enunciating your vocals. So it's hard to practice uh, apart from being in the real moment or if you hide out a hall or a ring. So no, it's, it's really hard to get that practice. And the car's fine because you're driving and you I, I do practice a lot in the car probably like a crazy guy screaming and singing um i've never hired out a hall but that's the hardest thing you can't you learn on the job and mate we can go into it i've made some massive cock-ups and i've had some great nights and i've really learned from those mistakes and i literally learn tongan and Samoan when i do the auckland champs because there are every single name is is foreign and i have to get that pronunciation down and that's one thing i learned early is that you'll see Anik, you'll see all the commentators. I've got pages of notes. That's one thing that helps me is I always go to a weigh-in and I always approach every individual fighter and I don't even try to say their name. I talk to them and say, hey, Isaac Savage, you know, I'm the MC. I, I want to do the best job I can for you possible. How do I say your name? And they go, and they say it. And it's funny because you might think it's even a simple sounding name but it's pronounced in their way. I know that, and I always get them pronounce it and write it phonetically how it sounds. And they go, no, no, it's not spelt like that. I go, no, no, that's how I say it. And I'm like, oh, and they love it and they appreciate it because there's nothing worse, like you're right, a fighter coming out and then you saying their name wrong. And it's not their name, it's their moment. You want to get it right and I do my best too because, and that's, that's half of it is prep but energy as well. So prep before and then energy on the night. And um, yeah, I have stuffed up names to the point where the mum's cussing me out in the crowd saying, that's not my son's name. I'm coming up to the ring. And hey, that's the one mistake you don't want to make too often. Uh, you don't want to be messing with people's mums, you know.
So <laughs> yeah, I've I've learned the hard way, and I've and I've um this oh man, I've got so many crazy stories. Like, have you have you had any bloopers? Like, and and not so much like messing up guys' names or, or learning the hard way, but has there ever been any funny moments? And like, I I, I guess even to the point like let's forget about names, like whether you totally got their, their weight wrong or I, I don't know, or, or just something like, ha, has there been moments or has there been a blooper like on the um, the the post-fight interviews where you've just asked something, you're like, I can't believe I just asked that. Like, ha, have those moments yeah, ever yeah. happened? 100%. I mean, um, this mate, I'll start off with a couple. I mean, there's been moments, right, when I've looked at the card and every MC will relate to this I'm watching and I know that it's not the right decision. I absolutely know that, say, for example, it's the red corner is one, uh, sorry, one, but they're telling me to announce the blue corner. And I've even double checked. I've gone, are you sure this is right? I mean, I don't point and I don't allude to anything in my eyes. I just said, I think uh, the other corner is one. Are you sure about this decision? And I said, yes. So I've gone back and read it out. Um, I wouldn't say it's a blooper. It's just one of those moments where you have to be cool, calm, collected. I have been given out the wrong scorecards before and pronounced the wrong winner. Um, I have even pronounced the wrong nickname to winner. So now I hold my hand on the name of the winner. Um, there's just so much going on that I've, I've learned so many things with Huawei. Um, funny moments. I think things get funnier. The more, I guess the longer I've been doing it, I like to connect more with the crowd now, talk about things that are topical whether it be the New Zealand Warriors or, or, or something else. Uh, funny, it depends too on the crowd I'm with as well. Um, student crowds have more energy, flavour, enthusiasm, and, and you just feel that on the night. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely, definitely been a lot of crazy moments. I mean, from, like I said, wrong decisions to brawls to, um, you know, mum was trying to attack me. Uh, it's every single weekend is, is, is something different and and no show is perfect and for, not because um no one can organize anything perfect there's just so many variables going on the night 18 fights alcohol uh, you know it's it's always crazy and i have to ask like you actually took one of my questions away from me which was um you know have there been moments where you've been given the decision and you've looked and you've gone nah, this is wrong. Like, this is wrong. So you've kind of answered that. Has it ever crossed your mind to like literally go, I ain't even like, no, this is wrong. Like, I'm going to announce the right. Like, I know you can't because you've got to keep professional about it, but has that thought ever crossed your mind where you're like, you know, like it says to you, like the red corner is one, you're, in your mind you're like, I'm going to say the blue corner. Like, it, it, has that? I, I get in so much trouble. I mean, look, because I am the face of it. So they... I get blamed, like, you know, they get mad with me and I'm thinking, uh, it's hard, eh? Because, you know, like I said, I'm a fighter, I love the game, I'm there to do a job. And then I've read out the decision and they're like, ah, and, and you, yeah, it has, but then I'm like, if I do that, I've, um, I've, I've, I'm not doing my job in a sense. So that that's the biggest challenge to has being composed. I mean, I've had, I, I do my best when I see that. Um, I just called out a draw on the weekend that I thought, oh man, this is going to be bad. The crowd's going to hate it. And, you know, I've had trainers come up to me and, you know, get, get, get in my face and grab the cards and everything. And what I try to do too is just um, always bring the crowd back into it and bring it back to the, the martial art of the sport and say, look, man, let's give it up for these two fighters. 
takes so much guts. It takes so much dedication. These guys are here for one night drinking booze, eating popcorn and hot dogs. These guys have trained for 12 weeks to get in there and stand and bang. Let's just give them some respect and no booze, that kind of carry. And that kind of lifts everyone up because unless you've fought or even done training, or you don't even know what it's like, whether you've done what. One sparring session is all good, but to train for a fight takes so much dedication. And I always try to bring that back to the crowd that, man, these guys have gone in there and done it, regardless of the season. And also fight. being in, involved um, with the commentating side of things, which, which one do you enjoy more, I guess? And which one do you find more challenging? Ooh. To be honest, uh, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm torn because I love both. I love the exhilaration, the, um, the feeling of what when I MC, you know, making sure the show goes well, making sure everything's on point, making sure everyone's having a great night and making sure that I, uh, I guess, bring out the best in, in the fight and the call out so that, you know, it's, it's good for them. Commentary is a different art and the fact that there's, there's a bit more research involved you are not you're putting energy into it but it's more uh, composed energy you you're talking about the action as it happens and uh, you're bringing other parts into it as well i love both um oof, if i had to choose probably commentary because i probably don't get as sweaty and uh, don't get as many stains on my shirt in that sense and i like just sitting down with someone else and being able to talk about it, the fight as it happens but it's probably a 60-40 split. It's pretty hard to choose. Um, but if I had to choose, it'd probably commentary. But I, I get, I still obviously do a lot, a lot of MCing as well. Nice, nice. And then I guess finally, I just wanted to see like how niche is say the 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 commentary and and the MCing. Like, I mean, you you talk about there being like three, four uh, kind of shows a weekend and and things like that. Um, you know, is is it one of those things that is very niche and and you know you've you've got a handful of guys that do every single show because i know over here we we probably have like three maybe four mcs and they literally do every show like how how how, how, how hard is it to become an mc i, I guess like how it, 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 is it one of those things that it is just a little bit of luck or you know like for someone that's wanting is it like don't even try because it's 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 you know what I mean? Like, is it like, do you have to wait for, uh, for, for one MC to retire for that door to open for another MC to come in or how does that all work? Uh, yeah. I see. We, I like we, um, the question is because there's two, two guys I talked to in Australia, Payos, his name is Payos. You would have heard that name and Perry Kale in Melbourne and, um, Perry Kale is a, a, a guy that I like to, you know, talk to at times. And, and it's always good to have someone that's, uh, you obviously see a level above you to, to go to advice etc and payoffs as well i think he's doing really good and the same in new zealand i mean there's there's a few there's a few of us there's myself there's uh, dale husband there's dan hennessy and there's probably a few up-and-comers as well and what i mean by that is uh people that a friend might know from a show etc but there are only a handful of people and it's not like you go to a school or a, a training course for it. i've had a few guys reach out to me and and happy to help them along the way but it's a very fickle, loyal game as well. And once you have a few connections with promoters and you've got a good thing going, they will use you. Uh, it's very competitive as well. And I don't mean use you in a, in a bad way. They will, they will hire you in a sense for each gig. It's, it's so loyal, man. Like the, the fight game is, is, you know, it's like I say, blood stick in the water in this, in this. and um, 
it's hundred percent like that. I'm, I've got promoters that will, will use me through thick and thin and, um, you know, other, other MCs have their relationships too. And I'm, I'm always keen to, um, work in that community and pass stuff on. And at times it can get pretty competitive. That's for sure. Well, definitely more competitive than the commentating side, right? Because at least the commentating side, where you have one MC, you have two or three commentators for that. For that, so like, I guess there's a few more positions available, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And um, do you do you, do you travel a lot with the with the MCing, or is are most events now in Auckland? Yeah, look, the thing, I would go uh, Auckland's relatively large in itself you know like it's just like 1.5 1.6 mil the geographical area is, is reasonable so i would travel on i travel as far as um to the outskirts of um, auckland far north and down to hamilton uh, i do actually have um a, a commentary gig with the golden gloves in taupo, the taupo in three weeks time but uh, I tried to stay in Auckland, like I said, there's three or four shows every weekend. So it's almost like trying to pick which one or which one um, you, you're booked in for. But yeah, no, I travel, um, but MCs in New Zealand, some, I guess, gain their territory. You know, you've got South Island, Howie, Howie, our boy does all the Dunedin stuff. I can't believe we've even mentioned yet. Howie does all the XFC down south. I love the guys. Shout out to Howie and Hammerhead. Uh, Wellington has their MC. And then obviously I myself in Auckland and there's a few others in that scene as well so nice nice well yeah I mean Howie is what I like to call the uh, encyclopedia of MMA right like he's just uh mate he lives it he absolutely yeah. lives it like if, if you ever want like uh he was showing me around his his garage and it's like literally a history of just different events and stuff like that and it's just amazing amazing but look man like i mean we're we're, we're kind of running re running on time at the moment um i know you said you also needed to get to to training so you could probably get ragdolled a little bit by 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 the guys at uh city kick kickboxing but look um before i let you go um the the one thing that i always uh get you know people to do and and i'll try to pick fights that obviously has nothing to do with you in a sense because I know like when I had the refs and stuff I didn't really want them picking fights because I think it'll be a little bit of a, a conflict yep. of interest so to speak but uh I just want to throw a couple of fights out to you and and, and kind of get your take on it and um yeah sure. and get your get your fight prediction so the first one obviously I mean we kind of touched on it um well I did anyway and gave you my kind of like take on it but um Dustin and Connor, number three. How do you see that fight? Uh, who do you like in that fight and how do you see it play out? Yeah, I'm going to go back to saying champs are made in silk sheets. And on the come up, Greg was so hungry. You know, he was trying to get that belt. He was like Rocky, you know, in all the Rocky movies. And Dustin's still been grinding away while he's made his money off his whiskey, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think he's been training as hard. Dustin's kept grinding away. And I feel like Dustin will have his number again. Greg, back in the day, could have and would have done it if he'd been training like the animal. He doesn't have to train like he did. And I don't think, well, I'm not, I'm not in his camp, but it's just, just what you see and observe. And Dustin will have his number again. And, and that will be it. He'll sell more hot sauce and it'll be a great fight. I think Connor will last longer this time. He'll probably avoid those calf kicks. But I still think just uh, Dustin probably has his number on this one. See, so, you know, I would think crazy if, 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 everyone thought that he was going to get those calf kicks again. Like, I, I, I think Dustin will come with something new. I mean, 
you know, you can't play the same trick twice. Um, Jan, obviously, which, uh, you know, Izzy tried to knock over and, and was unsuccessful, obviously. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure the weight played a little part in that. Um, but he's now obviously facing uh, Glover Teixeira. Who do you like in that fight? Um, how do you see that one play out? Jeez, you know, I I love Jan. He's um, you would have heard him on a few podcasts, and what a job he did against Izzy. He he made Izzy look average, and Izzy's X factor very cerebral. Glover is a he's such an old, uh, not old. He's a bit of a warhorse. He's been in it for a while. I'd love to see him come through. I'd love to see him take this. The way he's been looking in, in previous last fights. My okay, my heart would be with Glover, but my my, my head's with with Jan on this one. Um, regardless of, of Glover being on such a high uh, performance initial at the stage, Jan still got him. Um, his wrestling, his defense, his strength, the way he can absorb shots. I just I just don't think uh, Glover would have experienced anything like him, and he'll, he'll take it to him and get the win. The crazy thing about Glover, I find, is like he's the only fighter in history that his chin has gotten better with age. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I mean, literally, like, it's gotten better. I don't know what he's doing. If he's, like, putting steel rods in there or I, I don't know. But it's gotten better with age. Um, we'll move on, though. Uh, the comeback of tough Alex Volkanovsky, Brian Ortega. They're finally doing the coaching thing. And then, um, obviously, uh, battling it out towards the end. Uh, how do you like that fight? Um, yeah, and, and who cool. do you see taking that one? First of all, I love Tough and the fact that you get to see such a build-up to their personalities. You know, you get to see them over weeks and weeks and weeks, and you get to see actually who they are. Like you can do these, uh, what are they, what's called fight part, not fight pass, um, the build-up to UFCs. You get to see them a, a snippet. But with, you know, the Tough Challenge, you really get to see who they are. And that will be an interesting, interesting point of view to see, you know, the real side of Volk. But I feel like we see a lot of Volk anyway in Ortega. Look, it was a very close fight um, when they did fight, and it's, oh, it's a tough one to choose. It's a tough one to choose. I mean, Ortega's going to come out with absolute venom, and based on their last performance, uh, Volk's got everything to win and can win, but Ortega might take this one out. He's got a lot riding on it. He's got a lot riding on it. See, I, I, and that's where I'm a little different to you. I, I, I think Ortega had a really good showing against Zombie, um, but I find that Alex and Max Holloway are just that that extra level. I just, you know, when, when you see what Max Holloway did to Ortega, and, and, and once again, you can't do the MMA math, but I just, I just think they're at that next kind of step up, right? Um, but we'll see. My heart's with Volk. My heart's with Volk. I have to be with Volk. Come on, I want I want some more cooking with Volk episodes. So Volk all the way. Um, who else have we got? Uh, we got uh, the comeback of Diaz. Um, it's been delayed by a month. It was originally meant to be on last weekend, um, but uh, him fighting Leon Edwards. You know, do you, like, hello, do, you, do you like that fight as a comeback fight? Um, are you happy to see Diaz finally making a return? Um, yeah. Ha what are your thoughts? I mean, I ran into Diaz um, when I was in Vegas for UFC 200. And, oh, yeah, he's a man of few words for damn sure. 
look, we'll, a bit of a weird curveball fight. I mean, a lot of people are saying, where did this come from? We weren't expecting this. Great for Leon Edwards. He's got nothing to lose. Uh, but facing someone like Nate Diaz, like a fitness freak, he's got the endurance, he's got the boxing, he's got the jiu-jitsu, he's just a hard fighter. It's, if anything, um, Edwards has got everything to gain, everything to, um, nothing to lose in a sense. And it's going to be a hard night out for him. I, I don't think you can ever underestimate Diaz. And I'm going to go, I'm going to roll towards Diaz. I'm going to roll towards Diaz. <laughs> he's just so weird, so unorthodox. So his boxing, he's got like this lazy type boxing. He's great on the ground. And Edwards is on a tear. Edwards is on a tear. Um, you asked me the hard ones tonight. I, Edwards should and beat um, Diaz, but once again, it's another head heart. Heads with with Edwards, but my heart's with um, Diaz on that one. What are your one? What are your thoughts? Look, I'm the same. I I think that I think they're feeding him to the wolves. I think Edwards. Look, we we didn't see Edwards for two years, right? He he finally made that comeback, and then we saw one round before the eye poke, and and that was it. Did he look good in that one round? He looked good. That's that's the issue. He did look good, but it was only one round. Um, but I'm look, I was rooting for Tony Ferguson this weekend, right? Like there's part of me exactly that where I'm like, same with the Diaz brothers. Like I'm I'm a Diaz fan. So yeah, it's it's one of those things where your your mind's saying one thing, the heart's saying the other, but like who am I gonna roll with? Diaz for sure. We've seen we've seen in the past though that Diaz has got everything to beat some people, but he just doesn't go as hard as what he should, and he takes the damage and he just loses by points. And if Edward plays smart, I mean he looked awesome against Bilal, and Bilal is high level. Bilal is, but I think too, and you have to agree with me on the sense, there is the difference between being in the top ten, the top five, and the top three. And some guys are only good in the top ten. Once they get the top five, they're not there. And then there's that top three as well, and we're going to find out if, if Leon is in that even top five. See, the interesting I, I, I think about that fight as well is it doesn't matter where it's placed on that card, it's a five-round fight. Yes. And I, I think the longer it goes, the worse for Diaz. and Because Edwards is going to piece him up. But then if it goes to the ground, Diaz is, is probably in a better position. But he's just such a weird, lazy, unorthodox fighter. Fair play, fair play. All right, two more. This one's going to be an easy pick for you. Izzy versus Marvin. We spoke about the fight before, but how do you actually now, thinking about it, how do you see that fight go down? I can pretty much place a bet on who I think you you think is going to win, but how does he do it? Uh, and in what round, I guess? Ooh. So I'm going to go back to the evolution side. He's he's now become, uh, obviously, highly level in jiu-jitsu. He's wrestling a lot as I don't even need to talk about striking. Round, I'd say, yeah, it's not going to go the distance. It's not going to go the distance. I'd say um, either round two or three and, and hand strikes. Um, let's even go a bit pinpoint. Round two, it, he'll drop him. He'll drop him and it will be maybe a one-two head kick or one-two question mark kick. Nice, nice. And then the last one, our Aussie and, and the guy that you said you wanted to catch up with, Tai Tuivasa, he's fighting Greg Hardy. Um, how do you see that? Who do you like in that? Another good fight. Big boys. Uh, what I like about these guys too, 
what I love about Ty is he just comes out. He comes out standing there. He's so exciting, especially with the heavyweight division. Greg Hardy, I mean, been interesting. Wasn't he the former NFL player? Or, yep, yeah, yep. And he, he's a bit of a tough outing. He's, he's talked a big game and he hasn't probably performed as well as he should. He's just some weird luck. Uh, always back in the Aussie boy. It's not going to be easy against Greg Hardy and Ty Tuivasa. I want to see him do it. I want to see him do it, knock him out, and then do a shui. So I say Tuivasa, shui, knockout. Perfect, perfect. Well, knockout and then shui, not shui and then knockout. (laughs) That would be pretty funny (laughs) if he's like, hey, be a half, uh, like in between rounds, does a shui, then goes out and knocks him out. But look, man, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, How are you sitting in a T-shirt? Just real quick, like we, we'll finish it off right now. But like, I mean, it's as I said, like this is the first episode now in the better part of six months that I've had to like put on the hoodie. Um, well, it is it is the New Zealand Fighter brand shirt, so I've got to plug that. But also, it's mate, it's about 16, 17, 18 degrees in um, in Auckland. And mate, me being a southerner and how we will relate to this, I lived there most of my life. Coming out to Auckland's like Hawaii. It's it's humid it's warm it's probably even warmer um here than where you are so 18 degrees it's not it's not that cold because uh, i am a wuss when it comes to the cold so i wouldn't be wearing this um if I didn't. yeah it's not that cold in Auckland at the moment nice nice well look man like that that's where we'll kind of uh finish it off i mean for for people that um want to kind of reach out to you or or you know whether they got some questions whether they want to get you on a show, what's the kind of uh, best way for them to kind of reach out to you? I just easy email just Isaac at nzfighter.co.nz. Instagram's just Isaac Savage 2015 was, was when I started, I think, when I came to Auckland. And even just social media, just look me up on social media, Isaac Savage, and that's just with a, a one I and one S and then Savage is actually my real last name. It's on my passport, it's on my birth certificate. That's legit. Well, there you have it, man. I can't thank you enough. As I said, like it's 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 always a pleasure, and and like this was long overdue. Um, as I said, we we worked together, uh, well, close to half a decade ago now. Um, you know, and we've been bouncing back and forth. But I I, I really do appreciate the time. Um, yeah, man, have have, have some fun at training. Uh, I look I look forward to you calling some more fights. And uh, as I said, if you uh get over to this side of the ditch for i think you said it was your sister's wedding um make sure you come up to uh new south wales i've always got a place you can crash come say hello um we'll we'll trot around up tie and uh yeah maybe even have a shui i don't know but until then stay blessed uh and have some fun i'm away i'm away